This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, all episodes are currently available completely ad-free on What's the Story Crime. Signing up is really easy. Just follow the link in our show notes. You're guaranteed to find your new favourite true crime listen. From con men to missing people, forensic investigations to miscarriages of justice, What's the Story Crime is the home for all true crime fans who want bingeable, addictive, crime-based content. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewellery, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Whenever a loved one goes missing, we inevitably look for clues in the character or their behaviour for where they might have gone. We might look at any recent changes in their work or home life. We might think about their friendship groups or family dynamics that they're a part of. Or we might look further back into their past. Somewhere along the line, there could be a detail which stands out or a place or a person or a reason why they might have disappeared. But in some cases, that journey to learn about our loved one can uncover something surprising, and the reasons for their disappearance can become much more sinister. This episode here is from Nikki Durbin, who has been desperately searching for her son, Luke, for more than 16 years. It's a search which has taken her around the town of Ipswich and into the countryside of Suffolk, but also into Luke's past, as she looks for some kind of explanation as to why he simply vanished. The police, because of the tides and stuff, they're still, you know, we just we just phoned to tell you we're going to do the sweep of the river. And uh, this, this sounds so ridiculous, but I can remember sitting there thinking, oh my God, do they... Do they think Luke might be dead? I'm Pandora Sykes, and you're listening to The Missing, 
a podcast series brought to you with support from the charity Missing People and investigation specialists Locate International. They believe that all of the cases in this series could still be solved. This is The Missing. Luke Durbin. Luke is my firstborn child. Honestly, the first time I saw him, he was the most beautiful child I'd ever seen in my life. He was so perfect. This is Nikki, a mum of two who lives in Suffolk. She's talking about her son, Luke. As a little boy, um, he was quite reserved. He was quite shy. But when he got to know somebody, he was incredibly loving and funny. Just a very beautiful little character. As he sort of got a little bit older, he was somebody um, who was able to engage with somebody who was two or 92. He was just a very personable, sociable young boy and young man. The household was small. It was just Luke, his little sister Alicia and mum Nikki. They looked out for each other. Luke had a range of interests. He loved bird watching and spotting rare species in the fields and marshes around his home. And as a teenager, he discovered a love of music. He got into music um, about 13. He, he desperately wanted a guitar for Christmas. And I was, I, I must say, I was really apprehensive about, you know, we didn't have an awful lot of money and I was really concerned about buying it and him not using it. But oh my God, he just loved it. He was you know, just very talented. He could hear music and, and just play it. Nicky thinks back to Luke's friendship groups and his social circle. He was in a small village school where he excelled and then a larger secondary school which saw him grow in confidence. He lost interest for a while and wouldn't be the only teenager to do so. But when it mattered, he knuckled down and worked hard. He just came home one day. He had a great headmistress who, who basically mentored him. And uh, he came home one day and said, Matt, I'm gonna, I've got a lesson plan. I've drawn this up and I'd like my, my supper at this time. And this is what I'm going to do. And Luke did really well with his GCSEs. Nicky's boy was growing up. The next step was college. He was leaving his rural community in Suffolk for the bustling atmosphere of Colchester Town to chase his dream of a career in music technology. It was quite a haul for Luke because he, you know, he had to get uh, public transport, and yeah, it probably took him a good couple of hours to get to get to college. And this is where things started going wrong for Luke. Commuting to college, making new friends, starting what was essentially a new chapter in his life. And Luke didn't find it easy. He only ended up doing one year at college and he left. He decided that wasn't for him. And, you know, I totally respected that. But both my children have always been so good in, in working and, you know, having Saturday jobs and different things over the, the years when they were at school. And, like, just Luke was just completely demotivated. It was such a tough time. It was just like my, my son that I knew so well had, you know, he just wasn't there. It wasn't the same person. I had no idea anymore who Luke was hanging around with or, or what was going on, but he was changing. 
I felt like our relationship was breaking down so much and it, it, it was so shocking. It's a position that many parents can relate to. When the children grow up and become adults, relationships can change. In Nikki's case, there was something else which she thought could be behind the sudden shift. I think this is where Luke started um, smoking quite a lot of cannabis and, you know, I could smell it. Um, I could smell it on his clothes. And I just, I just feel like he's, his attitude, even his respect towards me changed. I was really frustrated with him. I felt so devastated for this beautiful, intelligent young man. He had everything going for him. And I just felt like he was just throwing it all away. You know, it was, yeah, I, I think it, I found it so unbelievable this was happening. Luke was smoking cannabis, not large amounts and not every day, but he and some of his friends were users. Nikki wondered if that was behind Luke's lack of motivation. She tried to talk to him and get him to change. It all came to a head more than a year later in the Christmas of 2005. I mean, it was a bit of a, you know, shouting match and, and then we did, it did calm down. And basically I said to him, you, you get a job, you will go out when I go to work. And, you know, I think having that serious a talk, I think it probably shocked Luke to some degree. He did get a job in a little place called Oldborough, which is a seaside town near, near where we lived. But it was sort of working in a greengrocer's stroke deli and doing some shifts at a restaurant. Um, he loved his boss. And anyway, we, my parents agreed to lend Luke uh, the money to get a new motorbike. So Luke was, honestly, it was like Luke was back. He'd started making me lunch and he was so chatty and, and hilarious. And honestly, I even, I remember sending a friend a text just, um, and all I said was, it's like Luke is back. Everything just seemed so perfect again. Luke was now 19. Nikki put the past two years down to some late teenage angst, a tough period for all of them, but one they got through. Now Luke had a new job some new friends and a new lease of life. I think his sort of main friend was a young young lad called Alex who he'd worked as a kitchen assistant whilst Alex was chefing. It was May the 11th, 2006 and Luke was looking forward to a night out in the nearby small town of Woodbridge. It was a Thursday and Luke had taken the Friday off of work. He packed a small bag and said goodbye to his mum. He was laughing and I just said, don't drink and drive because he had this, you know, he had this new motorbike. But no, I won't. And yeah, that's literally the last thing I said to him. And, you know, he got on his bike, um, whizzed off and me and Alicia went to have supper. And that, that literally was the last time we ever saw Luke alive. I wasn't worried about Luke at all. Um, you know, I mean, the, the motorbike was still quite novel. Um, so I was obviously quite concerned about uh, it's, I don't know, eight miles from Hoseley, our house, into Woodbridge. But I wasn't worried in any other capacity. I mean, Luke went, went regularly to Woodbridge um, and went out with his friends. I wouldn't say Luke was streetwise in any way. 
but I think he thought he was. I think Luke was quite trusting of people that that perhaps he shouldn't have been. Gosh, if I'd known what what was about to happen, I literally I would have knocked Luke out and tied him up. I wouldn't have let him out. But you can't you can't live that way with young young people. You know, you just, well, I just never considered anything bad was going to happen. Luke's plans were for a few drinks in town with pals. His friend Alex was back in town for a few days and the boys were going to catch up and have fun. So as far as I was concerned, he was staying at Alex's um, mum's who lived in Woodbridge. The evening started as planned. But after some drinks in Woodbridge, they decided that the night was still young. And it transpired that his friend Alex and another friend of his, they were drinking in Woodbridge and they made a last minute decision to go to Ipswich to a nightclub. The boys got in a taxi. It's a 20 minute drive to Ipswich, something they'd certainly done before, though not as a regular event. The nightclubs in Ipswich were open far later than the smaller, quieter pubs of Woodbridge. They chose a club called Zest on Prince's Street. When they got there, that you know, CCTV footage um, showed this. Literally, Alex went straight home. He'd had too much to drink, so he didn't even get out of the taxi. You can see Luke and his other friends talking through the window of a taxi to Alex. And so Alex is out of the equation now. And Luke and his other friends go to a nightclub. What happens next is less clear. They stayed in the club for some time. We don't know how much the two had drunk, but then they lost each other. Luke's friend thought that Luke had, he'd bought some drinks, but he couldn't find Luke. So his friend got a taxi home. Luke was actually still in the club. Now alone, Luke emerged from the nightclub after 2 a.m. I saw CCTV footage of him coming out of the club at the end of the night. You know, the whole time he's looking back at the door, obviously waiting for his friend, who was probably home by that time. Um, So the whole thing is just so, just so heartbreaking. The thing is, Luke didn't have any money because he'd already spent his money. I don't know if it was on the taxi in, but he was reliant on you know, his other, his other friends paying for the taxi home. What Luke did next, well, we'll come to that in a moment. But as the sun rose on that Friday morning, Nikki had no idea that anything was wrong. I went to work, Alicia went to school. Um, as far as I was aware, Luke would have been at Alex's mum's house. Luke's phone just went to answer phone. And so I just, I just put a note, you know, I was thinking he'd come back. That, fri- that Friday evening, I just put a note saying, you know, I'm at Vicky's, call me when when you get the message. Um, I had no idea Luke was missing um, or anything was untoward. And it wasn't until the Saturday, I, ca- I came home early Saturday morning from my friends and Alicia came home about, I don't know what time it was, probably about 12 Saturday, and she said, Mum, I think, I think something, something 
something's not right with Luke. And I said, oh, why? And she said, oh, Alex told me that he didn't come back and his his bike is, you know, wherever he Luke had parked it, behind Alex's mum's house. I, I remember thinking, oh, there's just got to be an explanation. I just couldn't believe that anything could possibly be wrong. So I said, well, he's at work. And um, this is a Saturday, and I phoned the work, and he hadn't, he hadn't turned up. Luke would never miss a shift at work, and both of the friends from the nightclub had been wondering where he was. Neither of them wanted to tell me that um, Luke hadn't turned up because they didn't want to worry me unnecessarily, as they thought, you know, maybe he'd you know, gone off with a girl or something like that. As soon as I knew he wasn't at work, I knew how much he liked his, his boss and I knew he wouldn't let her down. I got my friend Vicky to run down and see if Luke's bike was definitely there, and it was. And Luke had left his phones and his bag at Alex's on the, the Thursday night because he didn't want to lose them. So everything was there. He had nothing on him apart from his clothes. I think at that point, I just had this, the most horrendous, silent hysteria just started taking over me, just thinking, oh my God. Nikki didn't know where to turn. She called the local hospitals, hoping that perhaps Luke was there, fearing that he might be injured, unable to give his name. I phoned the hospital, there's only one hospital here, um, and just, you know, gave, first of all, obviously asked if, Luke Durbin was there, no, was any identified young men being brought in who were unconscious, no. They called all the friends they could think of. Lots of people had seen him on the Thursday night in Woodbridge, but no one had seen him since. So Nikki took the step of officially reporting Luke missing. The phone call to the police was really the very, very last resort because I kept thinking... I'd know if something was wrong with her. And, you know, clearly that wasn't the case at all. I just, I don't know, it, it, it just became like this very surreal, that, that everything became surreal. It was just like, I felt like I was doing things because I felt like I should, but I also felt like I might be wasting police time because Luke's gonna come home. <laughs> There is such an absolute divide in my life from the moment I made that phone call, the before and the after. The police at that point were brilliant. You know, they came out, they took a report. You know, remember, we live in a very rural area. It wouldn't be like reporting someone missing in an inner city. But the policewoman who came out, she came out within the hour. She was really lovely. The police investigation explored lots of different theories. But an early suspicion was that perhaps Luke hadn't made it far from the nightclub. So he'd been uh, last seen at this uh, nightclub and it's right next to the river. And um, the police, because of the tides and stuff, they're still, you know, we just just phoned to tell you we're going to do a sweep of the river. And uh, this, this sounds so ridiculous, but I can remember sitting there thinking, oh my God, do they, do they think Luke might be dead? In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. 
Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I think it's the first time I've ever felt such despair um, you know, just like, I suppose it was the realisation that maybe Luke wouldn't come home. Um, and yeah, I think I still find that, that day was like, it just still feels like the worst day, um, in those first few weeks. You know, the police did, did sweep the river and nothing was found. But that didn't mean that Luke hadn't gone into the river. Perhaps, if he just had too much to drink, he was disorientated or unsteady on his feet, and he might have fallen in. The police said that a sweep of the river would normally uncover a body. But not always. Not every time. However, there were other clues emerging which pointed to other possibilities. Police studied CCTV from all over Ipswich, and they found images of Luke at the town train station. Reports from there suggested he was hoping to get a train. But with none running at that time of night, he was out of luck. That was just before 3am. Then another camera captured him at a local taxi office at 3.45am. There, Luke tried to book a taxi, but he didn't have any money to pay. The office suggested he call home, wake his mother and get a bank card number. But Luke didn't want to wake Nicky. A final CCTV image was captured at 4am. It shows Luke walking along Dogshead Street 
in the town centre. He was headed towards the bus station. But there's nothing to say that that's where he was intending to go. There's something else on that CCTV. A car, a silver or a white Volvo 440, which follows behind moments after Luke. Police were able to read the registration number and they learned that the car was illegally being driven on false number plates. Could the driver of that car be connected to Luke's disappearance? Or was there another illegal reason why they're driving through the town at 4am. That lead remains unanswered. Those CCTV images are available to look at on our website, themissingpodcast.org. Take a look. Perhaps you recognise someone in those images. Were you in Ipswich that night? Do you recognise the car that was being driven? For Nikki, those first days of Luke being missing were excruciating. But she channeled her fear and pain into relentlessly searching. And then, a breakthrough. It was probably only about two weeks after uh, Luke was missing, a sergeant um, turned up at my house unannounced. I can remember just like sliding down the stairs thinking, they've come to tell me they found his body. And actually, he'd come to tell me that Luke had been seen in Woodbridge on the Saturday in a car and a black man was driving. A sighting of Luke alive in a blue Renault Megane more than 24 hours after he'd last been captured on CCTV. Nicky didn't know what to make of this. Could it really be Luke? Who was he with? And why hadn't he been in touch for two weeks? It was two young men who had um, who'd come forward and, and these young men both knew Luke and their story was exactly the same. And it turned out that another witness had also come forward independently from these two young men and the angle the car passed her, she said there were two black men, Luke was in the back and there were two black men in this car with Luke. Perhaps the sightings were accurate. Perhaps they were mistaken. It's common for sightings to be reported to the police whenever an appeal is made. It normally creates a spike in leads. But the fact that the people who made the reports knew Luke, well, it made them seem more credible. And they weren't the only ones. You know, there were a lot of sightings, but obviously what police regard as very relevant sightings are if someone knew Luke and there was a, a young young woman who saw she knew Luke, she was in the same class, I think, as him, a lovely young woman who, she was in London going to see a show with some friends and she believes, she said, I, th- I can't remember now, but it was something like 95% short, so... When that sighting happened, me and a um, group of uh, friends and family all went up to London to look around that area. And it was exhausting in every single way you can imagine. You know, I was dealing with the loss of my child. 
But why would Luke be in London? Why would he be in a car? Why would he not have got in touch? Nikki wanted to know those answers. And it was when she was frantically looking into Luke's life that she found a potential link. In the first few weeks of Luke going missing, you know, I was on the internet all the time and something came up about Luke being a massive drug dealer. Rumours were rife that Luke was more into drugs than Nicky had previously realised. He was described as a dealer. Not big time, but not insignificant either. So had he been kidnapped for some kind of drugs debt? Some of the claims connected Luke to a drugs gang in Brixton. Could that explain why Luke was in London? Was all of this to do with drugs after all? Nicky thought it was possible. And I can remember being like so horrified and going to the police and going, oh my God, is this, is his disappearance like drug related? Do you think, you know, he has got him way in, in too deep and, and something terrible and untoward has happened to him? And the guy in charge at the time said no. So investigators at the time disregarded the drugs link, at least to Nikki. But four years later, in 2010, a new major investigation team at Suffolk Police took on the case. They reviewed the evidence and they found new CCTV images of Luke after leaving the nightclub. And they found new information suggesting that Luke wasn't dealing cannabis. He was actually involved in cocaine. He said that he had so many statements saying Luke was uh, dealing drugs and um, I think it was cocaine, um, which just changed the whole picture. But yeah, cocaine just changed everything for me. It just just felt so like really you're starting to mess with big boys. Yeah. Yeah. Frustratingly, those links and rumours didn't lead to answers. Was, was Luke in huge amounts of debt? Luke's motorbike was five minutes walk away. So nothing made sense. Luke, Luke ha- even if he was in debt, Luke had a brand new motorbike he could have got money for and he had his wages uh, waiting for him. Luke would not, I absolutely would put my life on it, Luke would not have voluntarily gone missing to just start up a new life or something. He was a 19-year-old, naive boy. He had nothing. He had no money. He had nothing. He had a motorbike. So what did happen to Luke? It's been 16 years now, and Nicky knows that the chances of him being found alive are slim. Something happened. And she thinks someone local to her must know. I must sound like a broken record because I know I I say the same thing with any publicity I do. And I would just ask, um, I I am 100% convinced that someone locally at that time, if not still, knows what happened to Luke. And honestly, I would just absolutely beg you, if you have got that vital piece of information, please phone Suffolk Constabulary because I I don't want to die not knowing what happened to my son. 
and in whatever form I want to be able to bring him home whatever the information is I definitely want to know uh, what happened to Luke before I die Nikki thought that her hopes had come true when in 2012 the new team at Suffolk Police made an arrest they announced that a 40-year-old had been arrested on suspicion of murder. Nikki understands that that man is a known drug dealer. One of Luke's other friends was also arrested on suspicion of being concerned in the murder. Being concerned in a murder means being involved or having some knowledge. Both of their homes were searched, but no further action was taken. Police didn't have enough evidence to make any charges. And without new information coming in, they won't. The case is at a standstill. Every lead has been explored, every theory considered. Luke has seemingly vanished. I know everything that could have been done has been done. We haven't, you know, the police haven't found Luke, I haven't found Luke. But just knowing there's nothing else to be done does give me some sort of peace of mind. Um, nothing else to be done in the police investigation because there's nothing, you know, not that vital piece of information hasn't come forward. That's not me giving up hope that we, you know, that there's still a chance to find answers. Now Nikki hopes that someone listening will give her those answers. Someone must know what happened to Luke. Do they have a guilty conscience? Did the people responsible for his disappearance tell someone else? Perhaps relationships have changed or friendships broken. Loyalties might no longer exist. Or perhaps you know who was driving that blue Renault Megane. We've put the details of this case on our website, themissingpodcast.org. On there you'll find images and details not just for this case, but for every case we featured on the show. There's also links where you can share vital information on these cases with the experts at Locate International. They've set up a team to investigate these cases and explore any information that comes in. And you'll find more information about the charity Missing People, who work tirelessly to support the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you've been affected by anything in this episode. We can't say this enough. It takes just one person with the right information to solve any of the cases in this series. The Missing is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. The executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.